You are listening to the Hope Church Weekly Message Podcast. Hope Church is located in Cleaver, Texas and meets on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. Pastor Todd and the preaching team desire for this message to bring life in a dark world. For more information about Hope Church, visit HopeChurchCleaver.com. So here's the thing, you know, we get we get all excited about football. About 325, I'm going to be in, parked in front of a TV. Probably babies are going to be asleep, and I'm going to have to not yell at a football game, which I've done my whole life. It's funny, actually, if you want to come come see, it's, it's humorous, because something will happen, and I'm like, <laughs> and I know I can't yell, because I don't want to wake up the baby, and then face the fury of my wife and you know it's it's just fun but here's the cool thing we we all love our teams we get excited about it even even about the Packers the Jets Super Bowl three right Super Bowl three you got hey at least you got one at least you got one somebody had the Browns over here the the first service they hadn't got one yet but we love our teams but here's the thing Jesus loves us a million times more a million times more than we love our football teams and here's the thing, he's not, he's not in love with a future version of you. He's in love with the version of you that's right now. He's in love with you the way you are right now. Now, he wants you to grow. He wants you to move forward. He wants you to, to grow and, and become all that he's asked you to be. But he's in love with you right now. And guys, I want you to understand that today. I want you to feel that. I want you to feel that God wants the greatest things you could possibly. Now, you know, every year I'm a Cowboys fan, regardless of what we look like. And this year, I'm just saying we look pretty good. But regardless of what we we say every year, I'm saying, what are the Cowboys going to do? We're going to win the Super Bowl, right? Here's the thing. God is tuning in at 325 to watch you and see how you're going to succeed. God thinks that you're going to win the Super Bowl. He loves you. And so guys, I want you to understand that. I know we get all excited and, and a lot of you out here are non-football non fans. I, I got to be fair. I did this in the first service. Are there any non-football fans out there? We'll pray for you. Um, you know, what do y'all get excited about? I don't know. NASCAR. Okay. I get, I get excited about NASCAR. NASCAR. Harry Potter, somebody said, right? <laughs> Star Wars. <laughs> Although I, I like Star Wars too. So, because all these things we get excited about, but do we get excited about Jesus? Do we get excited about Jesus's love for us? Because that's more important. You know, I wish, I wish they, they made a jersey for Jesus so I could wear Jesus's jersey. Because that's something that we need to wear all day, every day. And so if you have your Bibles, grab them. You can go to Luke chapter 23. Uh, I'm going to start in verse 39. I'm going to land there eventually. Just be patient with me. I will get there. Uh, if you'd like to follow along in one of our paper Bibles and you don't have one, we've got one in the seat back in front of you. Uh, I'm on page 831. Hey, look, I got here early enough to look up what page I'm on. Page 831 uh, in your program. Uh, the Bible there in the seat back in front of you. I got a couple announcements. As you saw, uh, we've got night of worship coming up on Friday. It's this Friday, right? My dates are correct. It's this Friday. We're, we're trying out a night of worship on a Friday night, uh, and it's going to be fun. We're going to party with Jesus on Friday night. It's going to be a good time. 
Then right after this service, during the noon service time, we have our, our growth track, our new members class. So if you'd like to be a new member of church, that wonderful smell of food that you, you smell is for the people that are going through our growth track. Uh, so if that sways you one way or another, I'm just letting you know, I am completing that teaching. So you will be home in time for the Cowboys game because I will be home in time for the Cowboys game. So I'm just letting you know, I've got my teaching ready to go for that. Uh, and then one last announcement next week, we start the series that many of us have been waiting for five shades of gray. Uh, we kick off with marital intimacy. Uh, so my, my beautiful wife, Crystal, and I are going to get up here and team teach next week. So you're not going to want to miss it. It's going to be so much fun. Uh, it's so much fun to just be super vulnerable up here with you guys and talk about the things that nobody wants to talk about. So don't miss it next week. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. Uh, the whole series is going to be dealing with uh, intimacy and in marriage, sexual sins, things of those nature. Uh, I would just encourage you, it's, I would give a uh, parental guidance suggested uh, rating on these sermons. We, ha we offer stellar kids ministry. Uh, so the weeks that we have that going on, I would encourage you to utilize our st stellar children's ministry or you will be answering questions that you don't want to answer. And I'm not answering them for you uh, because I'm not their parent. You are their parent and you can answer those questions because you did not follow directions. Look, Tina, I'm being a teacher. If you follow directions, these things will go well for you, right? Okay. <laughs> so today, what we're going to talk about is why do I need Jesus in my life? Why do I need Jesus in my life? Why do I, point number one, there is nothing that you can do that can ever make God stop loving you. You get me? There's nothing. Nothing you could ever do to make God stop loving you. Jeremiah 1.5 says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you, appointed you a prophet to the nations. Now, what God is saying to Jeremiah is he's saying, before he was even out of his mother's womb, he knew that he was called to be a prophet to the nations. Guys, I love this verse because my wife and I experienced a, a difficult time with our, our oldest child, his, his name's Noah. Many of you met him. Uh, and if, if y'all are new to the, the childbearing game, about halfway through uh, the experience, you go in to find out the gender. Now, some people choose to wait the old fashioned way uh, to when the baby comes out, you find out what the gender is. But Crystal and I are not really good at waiting, okay? In fact, we tell each other what we got each other for Christmas before it is actually Christmas. We're just not really good with surprises, okay? Uh, I don't, I, and if I ever buy you a gift and I have it for your birthday, I'll probably give it to you way before your birthday because I can't stand the surprise. I just, I can't do it. And so we went to the doctor to find out boy or girl, and we had this great plan. We were going out to eat with dinner with our parents, and we weren't going to tell them, we were going to tell them that we didn't find out. You know, they couldn't see and, and things, weren't, things weren't the way they needed to be, so we couldn't find out the gender. And we had secretly, secretly, we were going to hide inside the cake icing, a color of blue or pink. So when they lifted up the cake, they would see blue or pink and they'd be like, ah, it's a boy or ah, it's a girl. Well, obviously we know the story. Ah, it's a boy, right? And so we duped them. We knew we got them. But here's what happened. Have you ever been in the doctor's office and the doctor sees something that they're really concerned about, but they don't want to lead on that they're really concerned about it and the mood changes? Have you ever been in that? 
And so they saw something, and I could tell it, it kind of changed. And so they ushered us back to the, the room, which was normal. And, uh, and the doctor came in, and she said, you know, we saw something in the sonogram that was, was a little concerning. And we said, okay, well, well, what is that? She said, I don't, I don't remember what they called it, but the, the, lay, the layman's terms, the English is uh, double bubble is what they called it. Basically, it was a, a bubble in the stomach that would indicate that the intestines are not working properly. And so it could mean one or two things. Either it could mean that he, he had Down syndrome or two, it could mean when he came out, he would instantly have to be rushed into surgery. And so we as parents, you know, we're, we're so excited about, oh, we get to meet this, this baby, we get to know what this baby is. And, and basically all the winds let out of our sails. Now it wasn't let out of our sails because um, it, it was possible for him to have Down syndrome. Down syndrome kids are, are, are super special. And it was mostly from the standpoint of, you know, this baby could need something extreme. I mean, surgery, doctors can handle it, but on a brand new baby, you're like, ah. and so we just asked the Lord to heal him. We just, we spent the whole weekend. This happens on Friday. And of course they couldn't get us in till Monday, right? It's the way the doctors work. And we just prayed all weekend, Lord, would you please heal our baby? Whatever is going on in his stomach, Lord, we pray that you would just heal him. And we prayed all week and all week and all week. We cried, we, we, we wept before the Lord. So Monday we go into the doctor. And the doctor, it's a high-risk doctor. He does a sonogram and he goes, what did they see? So we'll sell it, a double bubble. He goes, nothing's wrong, everything's fine. And it's amazing that even as we're in the womb, the Lord cares about us. We believe that the Lord healed our son and heard our prayers even as we were praying for him in the womb. And guys, God cares about you that way. He cares about the littlest things in your life. But many of us say, well, how can God care for us because we're such a bad person? Let me tell you a story about a guy named Saul. We know him as Saul. Eventually, he had a, a big, God appeared to him as a light uh, on the road to, um, I think it was, was it Emmaus or Damascus? Damascus? Damascus, thank you. I said it wrong in the first service and I, was, I went back and went, I don't think it was right. But he was on the road to Damascus and the Lord appeared to him and changed his name to Paul. But he appeared to Ananias and he said something to Ananias in Acts 9, 15 that I think is very important. But the Lord said to him, him being Ananias, go for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and the kings and the children of Israel. He's a chosen instrument of mine. He, Paul, Saul was known as the muscle. If the Roman government needed someone to go in and take care of the Christian problem, Saul was the man to do it. He would go and kill a whole bunch of Christians. So what I'm saying to you is God is saying that his chosen instrument to take the gospel to all the nation was a murderer that killed Christians. Guys, don't you think if, if something would tick off our Lord and Savior, don't you think it would be someone that goes and picks off and kills his people? I think if anything would make him upset, that would be one thing, right? But no, God is saying to him, God is saying to him, he is my chosen instrument. And so what I'm saying to you is if God can love a murderer, if God can love someone that went after to kill Christians, surely, surely he can, he can handle loving you. So it takes me to my second point. 
Nothing you can do on your own can make you good enough. Nothing that you can do on your own can ever make you good enough. Romans, 10, Romans 3, 10 through 12 says, as it is written, no one, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks from God. All have turned aside, together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Skip down to verse 23. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Guys, our kids, we're born into sin. If you don't believe me, look at my kids. I love my kids very much, okay? And my wife spends a lot of her time with my kids. I spend a lot of my time uh, pastoring you guys. And so sometimes I come home and my wife says things like, your kids can't watch YouTube anymore. And you know what I say? My kids can't watch YouTube anymore, right? Because I want to live a long time. And if you don't understand that, you've not been married a long time or you're just hard-headed. I don't, you know, I don't, I can't help you either way. And so she tells me, kids can't watch YouTube. So of course, what do I do? I come in the living room. They've got the remote control. They're watching YouTube. So what does I as a parent do? I go, what are you watching? Parents in the room, you know their response. What is their response to the question? What are you watching? The answer is nothing, right? I'm like, I just sit there and go, do you think I'm dumb? I see that you're watching something. Tell me what it is and you won't die, okay? And so, of course, they say, oh, we're watching, we're watching YouTube. I didn't teach my kids to bold-faced lie to me. I didn't teach them. They just learned that on their own. Or did you teach your kids? Did y'all teach your kids to lie or they just come out knowing how to do that? And so what I'm saying to us is we all have a problem in our life. And that problem is that we are sinful. We can't help it. That is our nature. So what we have to understand is that our way to get to heaven is to be perfect. So if I'm saying to you that you have to live your life perfect, I would agree that everybody in this room has already messed up and is not perfect, right? If you're perfect in this room, please stand up. Ignore Rachel. She's taking the baby. But Rachel, you are perfect. You're perfect. And what I'm saying to you, we all are not perfect. We all need Jesus. But here's the thing. We spend so much time telling God why we don't deserve his love. So my quote for you today is, you give yourself too much credit to think that, that you can make God stop loving you. You give yourself too much credit to think that anything that you could ever do could make the savior of the universe stop loving you. You don't have that power. So take that weight off of your shoulders and understand that God wants to forgive all of your sins even as we as kids, we were born into sin. God wants to forgive us of all that. But, but, point number three, through Jesus, we are good enough. Only through the sacrifice of Jesus are we good enough. So if you have your Bibles, grab them. Go to Luke. If you, if you turn to Luke, I'm finally there. Luke 23, verse 39. Jesus is actively dying on the cross. And if you know anything about this story, there are two criminals there with him. 
Now, Jesus is going to the cross. He didn't actually do anything. He didn't deserve to be there. But these other two criminals, they deserved to be there. They had, we don't necessarily know their crimes, but they had committed a crime that led to them being put to death. That's not like in our culture. They could have stolen stuff. They could have, uh, they could have hurt somebody. They were, they were very quick to put people to death in the Roman society. But these two men are here and they're talking to Jesus in verse 39. One of the criminals who were hung railed at him saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him saying, do you not fear God? Since you are under the same sentence of condemnation, and we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. What he's saying is, is he said, I have sinned. I have done something wrong. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly, I say to you, today, you will be with me in paradise. This theology buff or you're a theological nerd like me my wife makes fun of me she's like oh theology you love theology I was like well it's kind of my job but it's fine um this we truly believe if you're if you're a buff this is the first person that receives salvation under the new covenant Jesus is actively dying for his sins as he hangs on the cross next to him and he admits to Jesus, Jesus, I know I deserve this. I know that you don't deserve this, but would you please forgive me and allow me to be in paradise with you? Guys, that's how we accept Jesus. We say to him, Lord, I know that I've messed up. I've known I've done some goofy things in my life. I know you've caught me watching YouTube and I bold-faced lie in your face that I'm not doing it. But I need you. I need you to love me. Will you please forgive me? He didn't, and he asked. He asked in Jesus' response, he said, today, today, today you will be with me. And guys, I believe that when we give our hearts over to Jesus, we are instantly, instantly taken into a relationship with him. We just have to, it's ABC. I know it's kind of contrite. I grew up in church. We used to say it's as easy as ABC. You know, those of you that grew up, you know, A is admit, admit that we're a sinner. B is believe, believe in your heart that Jesus died for you and rose from the dead. And C, commit, commit your life to him. And so the, what I'm saying to you today is it's that easy. The problem is we run away from God. We run away from the God. Like Pastor, say, Pastor Grant saying in Reckless Love, there's no shadow he won't light up, mountain he won't climb up, come after me. God has always been there. He will always be there waiting for you. It's just up to you to give up and stop running. Guys, take it from a guy that ran from God for a long time. I ran away from God running from the calling that God had on my life. And when I finally gave up and said, fine, I'll, I'll be a pastor. Boom. A year and a half, two years later, I'm a lead pastor of a church in Cleburne with 30 people at the conference center. Seven years later, here we are. 
We've never made one mistake along the way. (laughs) (laughs) Joking. But I say all that to say this. If God can deal with a a young, I was, guys, do you believe, I was 27 when I began as your pastor. 27. Raise your hand if you knew what the heck you were doing at 27. If you're below 27, put your hand down. (laughs) (laughs) Did you know what you were doing at 27? Okay, good. (laughs) Oh, you're waiting to come here. (laughs) Good answer. Good answer. Good answer. I don't know where I was going with that, but it was good. Um, Yeah. Good job, Mo. But what I'm saying all to you is, is this, just simply. God wants you to come home today to him. He doesn't want anything else other than you to come home and be his child today. Now that's twofold. Some of you are in here today and you need to accept Jesus for the first time. Maybe you've never given your heart completely over to him. God, I believe that it's a moment. I believe like it says in the scripture, at, the, at that moment, the thief on the cross was given salvation. I believe it's a moment for us. For me, it happened when I was seven years old in my bedroom by myself. For you, it may be another time, but I would argue with you if you don't have that moment, that maybe you need to consider having that moment. Because I believe that there's a lot of people in the church today that believe to just come into church. You know, I said my prayer. I put my name in the hat to win the cowboy thing. That I'm a good Christian. Here's the problem. None of that saves you. Not going to church. Not being a good person. Not saying your prayers. Not reading your Bible. That doesn't save you. Do you know what saves you? A relationship with Jesus. But God is waiting on you to initiate that. He's not going to do it for you. He gave you free will so that you could choose him. But if you have free will, you can also reject him. Guys, a lot of people, a lot of people ask me as a pastor, they think they're asking me this really tough question. And it's really not tough at all. It's just tough for us to deal with. People always ask me, pastor, how can a loving God send people to hell? My answer is, A loving God doesn't send anyone to hell. A loving God made a way for all of us to go to heaven. We choose not to choose him and send ourselves to hell. It's not his fault. So quit making him. So, I don't know how to say this the right way. I'm getting all mad. (laughs) Quit, Quit blaming him for our own hard headedness. It's not his fault that we're going to hell. It's our fault because we didn't choose him. He made a way. He made it easy. And all we have to do is admit, believe, and commit. That's all we have to do. But the problem is we have to believe it. It's not about us anymore. It's about him. And that's where we have the problem. We as humans, we're selfish. I want to be comfortable. I want to do what I want to do. I don't want to have to work hard. I'm sorry, guys. A relationship with Jesus is something that takes sacrifice. But he's not asking you to do something that he didn't already do for you. He sacrificed everything for you. And he's just asking you to give a little bit. Amen. God's calling someone today. Right now. He's saying, come home. (laughs) So what does this mean for us? What does this mean for you in your life today? 
My first question for you is this. Do you need to forgive yourself? Do you need to forgive yourself? Because I think sometimes we think we're powerful enough that we can do something that God can't forgive us of. Okay, let me resolve you all of this. You are not powerful enough to do something that can make God stop loving you. God loves you so much, regardless of what you've ever done. And all you have to do is turn to him and he will accept you instantly into his kingdom forever. It's just one step. Number two, are you tired of running from God? Are you tired of it? I mean, some of you, let's face it, and I'm just preaching to myself here, mostly, and everybody else in this room. I'm hard-headed. I like to run a lot from the things God wants me to do. And sometimes God has to smack me upside of the head and say, stop running, and it'll be a whole lot easier for you. And guys, what I'm saying to you today, it would just be a whole lot easier if you just give your heart over to Jesus and stop running. Am I saying once you give your heart over to Jesus that everything will fall into place, you'll have rainbows and ponies? I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is now, now you have a family that loves you. We all know that we're all messed up. And here's the thing. We're all messed up, but we love each other because we're messed up and we're here together and we're messed up together and we're trying to do the best that we can because we're all messed up and we need Jesus. The only thing that makes us good is him. Nothing else. There's nothing about us that's good apart from him. And so we need him in our lives. So stop running. The third and final question as whoever is singing comes back. I said Mo and then Grant came last time, so I didn't know if they're going to add one more. I guess they're singing your song, so you have to come. Number three, do you need to come home today? Do you need to come home today? You know, today is a, a kickoff Sunday. We've asked you to invite your friends. We've asked you to invite people into this place that maybe don't know Jesus. Some of you did. Some of you are hard-headed and you didn't, and it's okay. We'll pray for you. And we'll pray that you find some friends that need Jesus. But what I'm saying to you is this. Are you tired of running? Are you ready to come home? Now, you may, you may have been in this place every week. You may have attended church every week. But you're still running from what God has simply called you to do. I want you to give your heart over to him today. And guys, I know there's, there's people in this place that can think back and go, you know, pastor talked about that one moment he gave his heart over to Jesus. But for the life of me, I can't think of that moment. I want to urge you. I want to beg you. I want to beg you to please consider today before you leave this place to give your heart over to him. Because it's the best decision I've ever made when I was seven years old. It's not something I've ever regretted. But I know that God has such great things for you. But you first have to get out of your own way and allow him to do it for you.